Hey everybody, this is Nate Dancer with Purity for Life, and we're back with another book review. This time, we're looking at Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus by Nabil Qureshi. This book chronicles his powerful journey from a faithful and zealous Muslim to a wholehearted disciple of Jesus. For the first time, the message of the gospel of God's forgiveness hit him. God as a father, like the importance of God being a loving father, hit him for the first time. And he said he finally began to see God for himself as wonderful and as loving and as beautiful. I'll be joined by David Rodriguez and Vinny Pappas, two of our Pure Life Ministries staff, and we're going to work our way through some of the key features of this book and of Nabil's life. And again, our hope is that you get hooked on reading Christian biographies. Anyway, that's enough for this intro. Let's get into the episode. Here we go. All right, so this is the second book review that we've done over the last couple of months. Um, wow, David, your nostrils were just flaring there for was, a second. Sorry, that's how I think and listen sometimes. <laughs> I got it from my sister. Sorry. <laughs> try that. No, I was listening. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. I pick, pick up that little biographical detail about David. He flares his nostrils when he's processing. That is true. He's paying attention. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is the second book review that we've done over the last couple of months, and again, we're in the middle. We are in the middle of a series called "A Firm Foundation," where we're trying to get people really interested in studying the Bible, and then also equipping them to study the Bible. Mm. So this, these little breaks of biographies. Uh-huh are kind of like a supplement. I didn't know that. Oh, okay. That's really... Neither did I. That's really good <laughs> for what, what we're going to end up talking about, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, me well, either. I actually oh, was going mean, to ask I you. I it was just a book review. Yeah. Well, it book, is. In, in a way, it's sort of giving people like a break from the series that we're doing, but I think it just oh, supplements for, really right. well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's exciting. Sorry, I just got really excited. Okay. Because like the idea or the theme of like a foundation is like so important and especially with Nabil, he had such a solid foundation in the faith that he had that the uh-huh. Lord there was a lot of work that had to be done mm. to change that mm-hmm. and then put his foundation in the Lord. Wow. There was like a very long process. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, this is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's sweet. So yeah, the the book that we're gonna be reviewing today is Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus by Nabil Qureshi. And again, we just want to encourage people, if they're not accustomed to reading biographies, make it a habit, you know? Or, yeah, I I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Habitize it. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I can say is I am not historically a huge reader. Oh, good. Yeah, so speak to people who aren't huge readers. Yeah. I was more of like a sports guy and, you know, I just wanted to do things and, you know, active. You know, I was very okay. active. Sitting and reading a book never really captured my interest, but I honestly couldn't stop reading this book. Mm. Like, I didn't read it consecutively, but when I was reading it, it was like 100 pages at a time. Okay. Like, that is not characteristic of me. Right. Like, I get to 20 pages and I'm like ready for bed. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but that, really, like, this captured my interest and I, I wanted to keep 
reading it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Because yeah. That's one of the things that I, when I read this book, just sort of like a introductory kind of thoughts. It, he he is very engaging mm-hmm. and very interesting, you know, and you're going to get a lot of, you're going to get to really know him, yeah. which I think is, is one of the um, benefits of an autobiography versus mm. a biography. Like a biographer is always sort of an interpreter, but mm. a, an autobiography is he is telling you exactly his feelings, his thoughts, his motives, his struggles. There's no need to really read between the lines. It's mm. like he's telling you. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to hear a lot about his family life, his background, the Muslim culture. I mean, he had a awesome way of just bringing the Muslim culture into everything that he was going through that I thought was really helpful. Yeah, that's actually one of the things that stuck out to me the most was how important culture and tradition were. I kind of those themes kind of seemed to tie together because he like he couldn't separate his family life from his church life from his friend life because he didn't have any friends until he was like in middle school outside of the Muslim influence mm. there. So it it seemed like he didn't even have to try to, to tie them together because they were tied together. And that's something that I found that just overall, I kind of like found myself really relating to that because I come from a pretty close-knit background. Mm. Like we were always spending time together so I could connect with him in that way. But at the same time, it was also a very individualistic background that I came from. So it's kind of hard to explain, but I connected with him because he had that very strong, tight-knit family upbringing where everything you did affected your relationship with your family. And your family had something to say about everything you did. Of course, um, in his case, in the Muslim communities and in Eastern cultures, it's a lot stronger. Mm -hmm. But I found it to be very, very insightful the way that he explained how that collectivistic culture just like you said it influenced everything he did and he was able Mm -hmm. to tie it in and that's one thing that I actually found challenging about reading this book at first because I was like well I don't I don't come from an eastern culture sure I connect with him because I feel like our families were both collectivistic and and larger but I don't really understand what it's like to have a religion Mm. (laughs) dictate everything about my life. Mm. Um, but as I read it, I actually kind of started to, I don't, I'm not sure if envy is the right word, but really appreciate why it's so sought after. Mm. Um, because even like in other traditional religions, it's easier, maybe even more comfortable. There's more safety in the traditions of the way things are. Like, this is how you pray. This is when you pray. This mm. is what you pray. Mm-hmm. This is how you read the Bible and even outside of religion when things are just kind of – when there's a status quo, it's a little easier. And I find myself coming from a very untraditional Christian background. I found myself kind of like really being pulled in by that. Hmm. Yeah, and you know, this guy is – I mean he's like a brain, right? Yeah. So one of the things I think – you know, if you're interested at all in Muslim culture – if you're interested at all in apologetics, mm. and if you like good stories about how somebody really came to know the Lord in a powerful mm. way, like his his book combines all of those threads in a way that 
like you're saying, even if you're not a natural reader, like mm-hmm. you're saying, Vinny, it's totally engaging. Yeah. It's a fascinating read. So, yeah, we would definitely say go for it. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe we could just talk a little bit about his growing up life, his home life, his religious life, anything maybe that you guys pulled out of that that you thought was helpful. One thing that I realized towards the end of the book, but it had to do with his childhood, was when he was a kid in like middle school, he would always be looking to share his faith with people, and he was surrounded by Christians. Well, people who said they were Christians, and he just assumed that Americans were Christians also. Mm -hmm. Um, But all of his friends in school, he would start sharing his faith about Islam, and they knew nothing about Christianity or any religion really. And so they didn't have any response. They kind of just said, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, is that true? Is it? So what happened is what I realized later in the book in his story was the fact that no one was challenging him on his faith actually confirmed that I must be right. Mm. Islam must be the true religion because all of these Christians have no word to back their faith up, to contradict mine. So it – until he met David, which I'm sure we'll get yeah. to a little later. Mm-hmm. But but for you know the first 18 years of his life, almost 19, nobody he was just being constantly reaffirmed mm-hmm. in his faith because nobody had any objections to it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess like in Islamic tradition, if you're a zealous Muslim, then you're going to be fairly well – accustomed to Islamic objections to Jesus. Like, here's why Jesus could not have died on the cross, and they Mm -hmm. have well-developed arguments about that. And the thing is, he didn't come to those conclusions himself. That's Mm -hmm. what he was taught. Yeah. And then when he was sharing that, those were reaffirmed by no one's ability to contradict. So... Right. They they were never his conclusions. He he learned those arguments by just... Hearing the authorities. But he took them as his own because uh-huh. no one was able to tell him otherwise. Well, yeah, and that, that kind of brings that brings out a big theme in the book, right, which is just the difference between a Western understanding of authority mm-hmm. versus an Eastern understanding of authority. Um, David, you actually you have a lot of notes on that. Yeah, I do have a couple. And one thing that stuck out to me, um, the first section of the book – is titled Called to Prayer. And there's kind of a subtitle underneath it that says, the edifice of my worldview, all I had ever known. Hmm. And that idea of a worldview really stuck out to me mm-hmm. because like you're saying with the authority, his worldview was was structured, was put in place. He called it an edifice. It was a building. It was built, right? We talked about that foundation. It had a foundation and it was built basically all on what he was told. Not necessarily, you know, we found out later that he had never really read the Quran. Um, mm-hmm. He's in his conversation with David and David is like quoting verses with references. And he's like, I don't know any references in the Quran because I've never read it for myself. But his worldview was founded on his authority. And he was he talked about how the normal person didn't engage in critical thinking. That was mm-hmm. that was the job of the authority. And it was your job to just believe it. Mm-hmm. But I like what Vinny was saying is like his faith 
you know, he was so zealous, like you said, and he was so sure in in his belief that he did actually live his life in a very faithful way mm-hmm. to that yeah. to that belief. Um, that convicted me, just like Vinny was saying, because even though I said I believed in the truth and and that it was the truth, I wasn't faithful to it, and I still yeah. struggled to be faithful to it. So it just astounds me how people can can be faithful even when they haven't come to conclusions themselves. But really, it just goes to show, going back to the authority thing, I guess, how how we failed in American Christianity, I guess. Like the average American Christian doesn't really have a very solid like worldview. Like the worldview is really heavily influenced by the culture, heavily influenced by their feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and this Eastern culture, the authority, you know, there's no such thing as relative truth. Mm. in that culture, in its pure forms. Mm. But it reminds me of Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, where Jesus says, or the, the Lord says in the Shema, you shall love the Lord your God. These words shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, etc. But that's like a very Eastern way to put your worldview into the next generation. And that's what they did. You know, they tapped into that what God put forth, that was the truth because the Lord knew this is how you're going to hand down your faith to generations. So he believed it, but it wasn't challenged because, you know, the the average believer, myself included, wouldn't have been able to challenge it because the worldview wasn't, wasn't set very firmly on the foundation like Nabil's was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and I think that definitely, like you are saying earlier, David, that really ties into this the series that we're in, right? Yeah. A firm foundation because mm. Nabil was given a strong foundation for Muslim faith mm-hmm. through his father mm. and through his mother. His mother was mm. very involved in yeah. Nabil's life um, and very invested in making sure that he became a faithful representative for Islam. Mm. He was given a copy of the Quran and taught to memorize it and recite it, even though he didn't really... I don't. I didn't read that part where you said that he didn't really know it. Um, maybe I was just reading it before I got here. Well, I think part of it had to do with the fact that um, the Quran, you can't really know the context of the verses just by reading the Quran. You need to know the hadiths, the they hadith, called them, yeah. like which is their historical documents. And so he was memorizing verses, but he didn't know what they meant. He had no idea of really what they were saying or the context of them. He was just memorizing the verses. Okay. So okay. he knew – I think he knew the Quran in that sense, but he talks about not actually knowing – there's no way to really know the context of the Quran by just reading the Quran. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's in the chapter The Case for the Gospel – you know, David just quotes Romans six twenty three. They're talking about the gospel, and, and Nabil says it always impressed me when David quoted Bible references, mm. but it also irked me. I rarely knew the references to Islamic doctrines mm. since most of what I learned was from my teachers, who never knew the references themselves. Mm, gotcha. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So as a that that makes sense. Like as a child, he was taught by his mom to memorize and recite the Quran, but obviously, you know, that's there's a limited amount of recitation and memorization that a child can yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was, his, his mom taught him Islamic history his mm-hmm. and his, his father taught him Islamic history. He, 
they went to Islamic conferences, it seemed like, on a fairly regular mm-hmm. basis, you know. So he was he was indoctrinated. I don't mean that in a neg- with a negative connotation. He was taught. He yeah. was given a a broad foundation on of Islam. Yeah. And it just makes me think about how we, you know, in the West and American Christianity very often are not it's not that important. Yeah. You know, it seems like are we really teaching our children what mm-hmm. they should know? Do we really know? Right. Yeah. You know, or is it more like what we are interested in is knowing whatever we need to know so that we have a good life. Yeah. Yeah. A successful life, a prosperous life. And beyond that, we're not that interested. Yeah, I mean the, you know, going back to just that collectivist versus individualistic culture, you know, for me to I guess just to use the example of coming into the program or even still being here, the message I get, the message I'm getting, and even when I was first coming, the reason why I was coming to the program to get my life right with the Lord was so that I could have the life that I really ultimately wanted. Right. And this is the message that I'm still getting from family and friends is like, well, you know, do what you have to do to fill in the blank, be happy, you know, to get your life right, to, you know, get healed of mental illness or, you know, get over your depression or what, you know, whatever fill in the blank that the individualistic culture really emphasizes, like, just like you said, like using your religion for your benefit rather than the the more Eastern collectivistic, like, no, this is about more than just you, which again is a very um, noble thing. And I was thinking about it, like it's very, <laughs> it's very noble mm. to live a life, like even as Nabil starts wrestling with counting the cost and embracing Christ. He, one of the main things he's wrestling with is how it's going to affect other people. Mm-hmm. It's like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't wrestle with you know with that when I chose to follow the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, it it just wasn't, it wasn't on my radar at all. But with with this upbringing that that he has, it was on his radar, and it it was a very real price to pay for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so I think I can't remember how many pages, but it's kind of it's the the book is structured really nicely, and mm-hmm. so you're going to get probably about a hundred pages at least of childhood and mm-hmm. growing up, and then the the story is really going to get intense once he meets a guy named David Wood in college. They met on a some kind of like extracurricular college activity. It's like a debate team. They were part of a debate team or something, something like yeah. that. Forensics. Forensics. Forensics team, and they were on a meet that they had to Yeah, yeah, that's hotel. right. Yeah. So, it's very endearing. It's a very <laughs> endearing story. Like, I don't know. It strikes me as just like they're just normal guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's kind of a theme. It's like they have this very serious issue that they need to talk about, but at the same time, they're just friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so he meets this guy, David, and I mean, David is clearly a divine appointment hmm. because he he's the guy that Nabil would listen to, hmm. you know, because David that, was I, loyal, yeah. David was open and honest, he was very well 
versed mm-hmm. in the Bible. He had a foundation. He had his own foundation, mm-hmm. right? He and he was he had an analytical mind. He had a critical thinking mind. So it's like, man, if some <laughs> if God was going to use somebody for Nabil Qureshi, it's a guy like David Wood, which yeah, is yeah. amazing. Yeah, and the way Nabil describes it, it's almost like this was the first Christian he ever met. You know, yeah. someone who actually believed what Christianity teaches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, he saw that just in the simple fact that when they're in the hotel room together, mm. David, the first thing he did after he unpacked was he sat down and he opened up his Bible and started reading. And it just like leveled him, you know, Nabil. Yeah. He had never seen that before. Yeah, it's awesome. So, I, you know, when I look at, when I look at this book, I notice that there were a few pivotal moments here And obviously a huge one was meeting David Wood because Nabil kind of did the same thing that he had done with a number of other Christians Mm -hmm. was he started challenging David's beliefs, starting with the fact that Islam teaches that the Bible cannot be trusted because it's been corrupted over time, that what we have today in the Bible is not what was originally believed by disciples, that it sort of grew over time and even things like the crucifixion or that Jesus taught that he was God, mm. though that was never believed. But over time, as the church became centralized and a desire for power came in, mm. that it was the Bible was rewritten, mm. basically, to include those doctrines. And David basically said, what? Like, where <laughs> did you hear that? And that's not plausible. You know, right. when you look at the <laughs> historical facts about document transmission and the fact that we have thousands and thousands of manuscripts he just said nabil that's that's crazy yeah, yeah. that's like intellectually lazy like yeah. you're not <laughs> like you're try not harder looking. yeah <laughs> right you're yeah. smarter than that like yeah. he really challenged his uh his intellect mm-hmm. which is like you know cuz he got to know him mm-hmm. that was another thing that stuck out to me david got to know nabil he wasn't just pushing his own faith. Mm, they got yeah. to know each other first before that ever happened. Yeah. So he knew that David cared about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really appreciate this book. Kind of like what you were saying, you know, it is a very well thought out, laid out argument for believing in Christianity. And that's what David walked Nabil through over time. I kind of have not a sour taste in my mouth, but I, I don't want to just convince someone that my argument is right. Like, yeah. I, you know, I've I've tried that <laughs> from time to time to convince someone, even if it's just on like a side issue in Christianity. You know, this. but what I really appreciate about this book is that even though it does present arguments for the logical and historical truth of Christianity, it's not really what it's about overall. And you can see David, like his his passion to see Nabil know Jesus, like you're saying, it was a divine appointment and that passion came from the Lord. But you just see his patience and his long suffering mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and the way that like sometimes Nabil would even admit, like I I was blinded by my faith in Islam and I would just say, no, it's a hundred percent. Like Islam is a hundred percent. And someone like me would just be like, you're ridiculous and just write them off. You know what I mean? So there is that aspect of like, quote unquote, arguing with him and presenting facts, going through scientific, you know, historical 
information and data and sorting through all of that, um, weighing different pieces of, of evidence, but much more than that and much deeper than that. Like what Vinny was saying is like the Lord is after his heart and the Lord is using David in the mix of all of this to really show him that it goes deeper than just these issues, than just these like issues that we can argue about. And so for me, it's a really Mm. well-balanced like, okay, yes, this is about apologetics, but that's almost like just where it starts. And that's almost just the vehicle of the Mm. real message and the real heart behind what the Lord sent David Wood into Nabil's life to do. So it's like a really great balance to me of like, yeah, we can talk about these issues, but the reality is like God wants your heart and are you going to let him in there? Yeah, I I definitely agree um, because you can tell that David really loved Nabil. Yeah. This, yeah. For him, this was not about, like you said, this wasn't about winning an argument. Mm. This was about- and He spent years. I love, yeah, I love years. you as a brother. Yeah. And he was very gentle- yeah. Um, even when he had to correct, he would say things like, Nabil, you're doing it again. That's just speculation. What are the facts? Yeah. You know, don't ignore the facts. You know, just don't believe just because you've always believed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are the facts? You know, mm. and it was gentle. Mm-hmm. It was so, it wasn't condescending, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He, like David said, he wasn't just trying to get. Nabil to believe what he believed, you know, he wanted him to seek the truth. He knew he was a seeker of truth. Like David knew that Nabil was a seeker of truth and he wanted him to stay there, you know, and he encouraged him to stay there. Don't get away from that. Seek the truth because he knew if you seek the truth, you'll find God, you know, yeah. seek him, you'll find him. That's awesome. It was faith, really. I mean, he, like that was it. Like that, I think that's what really helped David be so patient because he knew if, this man keeps seeking the truth. I know he's going to find Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, it was his faith. Mm. That's really good. Yeah. You know, as a total side note, David Wood has an incredible testimony of his own, I found out. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he grew up an atheist. Wow. And I think, I can't remember the exact details, but he beat his father to a pulp. Wow. Uh and almost killed him and spent years in prison wow. because of that. And then the Lord found him and saved him, you know. So like for even David, again, this wasn't a this wasn't an intellectual mm-hmm. thing. He mm-hmm. had been found, rescued, redeemed, transformed by Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as that kind of that atheist upbringing, like the truth to him was very important. That there's historical facts that mm. that Jesus was real and the resurrection is real, but for him it's it's much more than that. Mm. It's like I was redeemed, and he wants to see his brother Nabil find the same kind of thing. Yeah. So it's pretty amazing. So yeah, just you know, through the next after he meets David Wood, there's a long series of things that the foundation of Islam starts to be undermined. You know, he starts realizing, wow, I don't really have any plausible explanation for the claim that Jesus didn't die on the cross. I really don't have an explanation for the claim that the resurrection didn't happen. Um, I am seeing that Jesus did claim to be God, you know, Mm. 
which was total blasphemy and anathema to Muslims. Yeah. He kept retreating to the next pillar of Islam. Mm-hmm. You ever, oh, did yeah. you notice that? Like mm. that he started with the resurrection or that Jesus died on the cross and the resurrection. Well, he couldn't deny that. So then he stepped back to what was the next thing? Um, the character of Muhammad. Mm-hmm. He's like, I know that I can trust in Muhammad's character. He was merciful and he was patient and he was, you know, he was pious. And then he started looking into that and that fell. And then he retreated back to, well, at least I know the Quran hasn't been corrupted. And then, you know, yep. God was just yeah. taking down each pillar. Yeah, leveling the foundation. Yeah, yeah it was really left. fascinating. It was like as the argument for Christianity began to strengthen in Nabil's mind, right? Like it was sort of systematic. It was like, yeah. let's find out the truthfulness of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And he gets to a point where he's like, man, the evidence for Christianity is pretty strong. He gives it like an 85%. Yeah, 85%. Yeah. So then David is like, all right, so let's talk about Islam. What's the truthfulness of Islam? And immediately he's like, it's 100%. There is no flaw. Mm-hmm. And that's when that what you were saying, Vinny, started, started to, to take place, where yep. he started to turn a, a critical eye on Islam, and it was just like pillar after pillar after pillar just fell. falling. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can't believe how, or I, I can't grasp how painful that must have been for him. Um, like, you know, he talks about going into, like, his dad's study or his dad's library and getting those books out and reading them. Like, you know, Vinny mentioned, like, the the character of Muhammad and in their hadith, which is like the written tradition that's been handed down supposedly from us spoken by Muhammad, mm-hmm. um, in the hadith they talk about you know the reality of yeah. Muhammad's character, and he is just floored. And he, oh yeah, he's absolutely devastated. Yeah, and I just can't like I can't imagine you know what what all he had to go through, but at the same time, just the mercy of the Lord to bring him there, and the fact that it was written in a document that he was taught to trust. Um, you know, but again, like when, when his whole foundation for his faith up to this point has been built on his authorities and his elders around him, and now he's reading it for himself, you know, and there's that voice. I think his dad even at one point says like, yeah, that's what it says, but you know, like you aren't um, equipped to interpret Yeah. How could you understand? Yeah. Yeah, And, and, but he, but he's still just like. I don't know, like, but this yeah. is pretty plain, like, yeah. This is what it says. But I'm reading it. His own... firsthand. People's historical documents are saying this. Right. You know? Yeah, and it's, so it's just amazing to me, and I can't imagine, like, what he was going through for that. You know, I've seen my own life crumble in a way, but for him, you know, it was something precious that he had received. You know, he felt like he had been given, like, earlier on, he talks about just the importance and the power of the traditions and how that all laid the foundation and now he's watching it crumble. And yeah, it's like, it's the mercy of the Lord for those things to just fall. But when he finds himself there, that's when he's like, okay, I know God is real because of things like what you brought up earlier where he, the Lord helped him find his friends. It's like, I know the Lord is real, so I'm going to seek him <laughs> and I'm going to seek him until I find the truth and just the lowliness of the Lord that he was in a mosque praying and like I'm convinced that God like the God of the Bible <laughs> was like listening to him yeah even though he found himself in that place he was like he wanted the truth and his heart was for the Lord even though there was so much 
ache in his heart. He was like, I Even have though to he have wanted the truth. Islam to be true too. Yeah. Like he was praying Islamic prayers and then asking God to show him the truth in a mosque and God came to him. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the other thing I think it sort of shows is that really finding the truth and really building a strong foundation on Jesus, it can be a very painful and a very messy process. Mm -hmm. Like this, from the time he met David Wood to the time where he was at least, where he really believed that Islam could be false was mm -hmm. like three years. Three years, yeah. Mm. Three years of searching, seeking, praying, reading, you know, a lot of pain. And he and he wasn't even a Christian yet, yeah. you know. There was still, it seemed like another year before he would actually really give his life to the Lord. So it took a long time, but he really, it, it proves that verse, you know, in the Old Testament says, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. Mm -hmm. yeah. He did that. He did that. And he had to let go of all of his preconceptions. Basically, everything he built his life on, he had to lose his life. You know, he even says, I don't know what page it's on, but he says, I was an empty shell at that point. Mm -hmm. I had nothing left. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing he had left was, God is real, and I need to know who he is. That's what God left him with. Yeah. <laughs> God is real, and I need to know who he is. Yeah. And that's what he started asking for. Yeah. It's, it's so funny, right? Because like at this point, he's still he's reading the Bible and he's reading the Quran, mm -hmm. and he's like, I don't know who's right, and mm -hmm. I don't know who God really is. Are you Allah or are you Jesus? That's what he was left mm -hmm. with. Yeah, and he's praying sort of like he's praying to the God that he grew up with, mm -hmm. but he's saying, if you're Jesus. Show Please me. show me. Mm -hmm. He was willing to, like, he didn't want to let go of Islam, but he was willing to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For truth. Yeah. For the sake of knowing the truth. So let's, I mean, let's talk a little bit about the dreams because it's just fascinating. That. Yeah, it really I mean, is. amazing. I, I, really okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah. So, like, at that point where he's saying, I have nothing, I've, I'm an empty shell, yeah. I, I don't know who God is, mm -hmm. he's just, he started, he held on to two verses, one from the Quran, one from the Bible, that mm. basically say, like, if you seek God, mm. he's going to reveal himself to you. And so he was praying, agonizing for months. I think like five months and just praying, reveal yourself to me, reveal yourself to me, reveal yourself to me. And then God gave him dreams. Yes. My favorite dream. I think it's the first one when they're in Florida. Okay. And I don't even remember the details of the dream because it's it was a crazy dream. Something with like a grasshopper and an iguana and a little boy. But anyway, it was crazy to me how, again, just the condescension and lowliness of the Lord he had this dream, and then, you know, after praying all this time, he had this dream, and he was trying to interpret it. I think he might have reached out to David. You know, he was in Florida with his dad, but he was alone at, I think, like the Epcot Center or something. And he had this idea. I was like, oh, my mom has a Muslim dream interpretation book. And he called his mom and told his mom the dream real quick. And every time, like everything in the dream to be interpreted led him back to the fact that he was very seriously considering leaving Islam and putting his faith in Jesus. And to me, that just blows my mind that 
the Lord met him again, just in the where he was at. He met him where he was at, and he came to him, and he used that book, that Islamic interpretation book, to speak the exact thing to him. And I wish I could like be remember reading it and uh, actually have listened to the audiobook and Nabil reads it. And when he's talking about this, you can just hear like the just the gravity in his voice. Maybe that's not the right word, but just how important that moment is to him because he's like, the Lord is speaking to me through my mom yeah. who doesn't even believe in the God of the Bible about this dream I'm having. And it's just, it's just insane to me how like the Lord not only gave him the dream, but then spoke the interpretation to him through a book that someone who doesn't even believe in the God of the Bible wrote. Yeah. <laughs> it's just beautiful, really. Yeah, it like really just is. It's amazing. So that was my favorite thing with the whole dreams. So one thing that blew me away in this process of like the dreams and really seeking for truth was that he revealed the deepest fear that he had. Like the family, losing his family was hard enough. Disappointing his his parents was like devastating to him. But actually on page 252, I don't know, should I read it? Yeah, go for it. He says, the greatest concern for me were to I accept Jesus as Lord was that I might be wrong. What if Jesus is not God? I'd be worshiping a human. And he mentions the shirk, which is the belief in the Quran that the unforgivable sin, the only unforgivable sin in Islam is equivalent to idolatry and is placing something or someone in the position due to Allah. And the shirk specifically discussed in the context of Jesus in 572, which is a verse in the Quran, Allah has forbidden heaven for him and his abode will be the hellfire. So if he put his faith in Jesus and he was wrong, he was damning himself to hell unreversibly. And yeah, that was – I didn't know that. I didn't know that that's what a Muslim would have to go through to put their faith in Jesus. And – yeah, I mean, losing your relationships in your life is one thing, uh, but he was putting everything on the mm. line. And um, so for him to ask for three more dreams, like at first glance, it's like, really, Nabil? You're, you just got this specific dream and all these interpretations? Yeah. But like, that's where I'm like, you know, I don't always think about what someone else is going through. Mm. And he really laid that out for me. And I was like, oh, yeah, that would be intense. Yeah. So like, it's understandable from a human perspective, like, God, do you really need to confirm this? And God humbled himself and met him there, Mm. you know what I mean? And said, okay, I'll give you three more. And he did. And he was still struggling with it, but he, yeah, I mean, in in the end, Jesus won his heart and he counted the cost and he paid it. Yeah. You know? Um, Yeah, just the the patience that the Lord had with him was amazing because he knew the he knew the cost for Nabil personally and um and knew that for Nabil like it's interesting right where Jesus says you're going to have to take up your cross deny self and follow me um it seems like for some people the cost up front is more intense than the cost for others up front mm-hmm. you know like we all have to do that over our whole life yep but for him he would lose everything. Right off the bat. Right off the bat, mm-hmm. yeah. He, he would lose his family. He would lose a lot of his friends. He was already losing 
just the faith that he loved so much. He loved Islam with his whole heart and soul and mind. He was devoted. He was so devoted, and so he's experiencing this death, and then he's going to have to disappoint his parents and their reputation his reputation yeah yeah and like you said just the that fear of what if i'm wrong yeah but yeah the lord gave him those additional dreams and totally convinced him that the truth was that jesus was the way the truth and the life there's no question about it Mm -hmm. and so now what do you do and he gave himself to the lord um you know what was really fascinating, though? Like, did you guys catch this where he said, even after he became totally convinced, right? He was totally convinced that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. And he's like, all right, Lord, you can have everything. He said, I didn't yet understand the power of the gospel because in order to find that, God was going to have to break me completely. Hmm. Did you catch that? That was like, I remember that. Yeah, it was I really amazing. That. And the break, the complete breaking was when he utterly devastated his parents yep. by telling them that he had become a Christian. Yeah. Well, he didn't even tell them. They found out. Oh, that's right. Yeah, which was That's like, right. He didn't have even, the he didn't have the strength yeah, to tell them. It was out of his control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. They right. they went into his apartment one day thinking he was there and found some emails about him being baptized and stuff mm. like that and he he said the effect on his parents... They actually took his mom to the hospital right after yeah, that yep. because it affected her so deeply. I'm glad you brought up the gospel. We talked about it a little bit earlier with how, like, like yeah, like David was arguing with him, mm-hmm. but really it was the gospel mm-hmm. that, <laughs> you know, was the heart of the whole thing. And there was a, a discussion that they were having. I, I kind of had already mentioned that this is where David quotes the Bible with the reference and it kind of floors Nabil. Or he said it irks him, but um, what Nabil said was like for the first time the message of the gospel of God's forgiveness hit him. God as a father, like the importance of God being a loving father, mm-hmm. hit him for the yeah. first time, and he said he finally began to see God for himself as wonderful and as loving and as beautiful, and it was like David just willingly. <laughs> patiently over and over again in probably many different ways throughout all those years conveying that message of the gospel to Nabil that Nabil said, like, that's what captured my heart and my mind was that conversation and how God loved me. And he, I think, has mentioned how he was comparing what the Quran says about like, well, you know, Allah hates sinners, Mm-hmm. He says that the Quran says that that Allah hates sinners and but then here's God the father of the Bible dying for sinners you know and David just walks him through that and he talks about how that's really what started to soften his heart is what he says and it played a huge role in the process of breaking down his defenses and getting him to the point of you know accepting and choosing to surrender to the Lord mm. Yeah, and then when God did break him, he was like wallowing. Remember that? When yeah. He was just like wallowing in self-pity, basically. God, why did you have me oh, yeah. uh, disappoint my family like this? Why would you crush them? Why didn't you just take my life when I became a Christian? Yeah, just kill me. Yeah, just mm-hmm. kill me. And he was just like, why, 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 why? And God, he said, God just spoke very clearly and said, because this isn't about you. Mm. 
And when God said that to him, when he had that revelation, I think it went from like God saving me to now I have a purpose to share this with other people. Because then he said he left his apartment and like he was seeing the world differently mm. after that point. And he saw a man walking down the street and he was like, does he know this? Yeah. Does he know who God is? Does mm. he know the gospel? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. what's he going through? What's his life about? Where's where's he headed? What, you know, he needs to know. Does he know? I don't know, you know. And it was just like God just switched his focus from himself to other people yeah. like in an instant just with that one <laughs> rebuke you know yeah. it was it was, he was it so was receptive awesome to it though too yeah you know? yep. yep yeah i mean so it's a it's a powerful story it's an engaging story mm-hmm. it's uh it's a very very worthwhile read so i mean it's another great option for people if uh if you like reading. <laughs> and even if you don't. No, I was going to say, actually, like, I really like reading. I'm unlike Vinny. I really like reading. I have no problem reading 500 me. pages in, in a day or whatever. What? What? 500 pages in a day? I've done it. I mean, Dude, I don't have a problem with that. It. I mean, I don't carve out the time to do that kind of stuff all the time anymore. But I'm just saying that's there are probably bookworm. people – there are that, probably people. There are probably bookworms listening to this. <laughs> yeah, right. And to you, bookworms, like I, I didn't start reading biographies. This is kind of the point I'm trying to make. I didn't start reading biographies until I came to Pure Life and Pastor Steve started recommending them. And what I found huge difference in reading a biography versus reading a, a teaching book, for example. Because you know, I'm thinking, okay, like I gotta uh, accumulate knowledge. I, I gotta accumulate knowledge if I'm gonna have this good foundation. It's got to be built on knowledge. It's got to be built on the truth. I gotta have my doctrine right, etc. But what reading biographies has done for me is really like just I put my pen down. I put my highlighter down. Honestly, I don't even mark up the book. I'm just reading it and it's just building my faith. Mm. Like that's really what Mm -hmm. it is. It's just, you know, there's other biographies that I've read that are talking more about persecution situations. Like my favorite biography is Evidence Not Seen. And it's just like it astounds me how people can know the Lord like that. To go through stuff like that, but they they keep the faith, and they not only keep the faith, but they live their life yeah. for other people, and it really builds my faith, and it's done more for me, I would probably say, over the years than just reading a bunch of systematic theology or other books that are that are teaching books, even though they may be good. Reading biographies is like honestly for me indispensable, has been indispensable in in my walk with the Lord in recent years. Yeah. They'll overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I mean, that's, yeah. It's, Jesus knows we need testimony. So yeah. Yeah, he gives know. us people mm-hmm. like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So there you go. Purity for life audience. Read uh, it. Read, <laughs> read it. Read others. Make, a, if you don't like make some reading. kind of a habit, even if you don't like reading. Some people, you know, maybe, I, I don't can't remember if I said this last time, but you might be an auditory learner, you mm, know, and mm-hmm. audiobooks are fantastic if you're an auditory yeah. learner, mm. which is which is what I am. So And Nabil reads this the yes. audiobook version himself? of it mm-hmm. himself. Oh, wow. So it's very, very That's good. Cool. Yeah. Super, super awesome. All right, guys, thank you very much. And yep, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you as well. Okay, so that's it for our episode. And just a reminder, next week, we'll be getting back to our series, A Firm Foundation, 
and we'll be studying Titus 2.11 through 3.8 and 1 John 3.1 through 10. I also wanted to throw this in. If you have listened to the bonus segments with Michael Wheaton and Austin Kropp, both of them mentioned looking for themes in your Bible study. 1 John is an excellent book to search for key themes. When I was studying, I found eight prominent ones in the book. So if you'd like to try reading for key themes, this is a perfect book to start out with. If you want to do this, here's what I would suggest. For the next seven days, read 1 John once a day. It'll probably take between 20 and 30 minutes per read. And as you read, look for themes. And remember, a theme is established by the repetition of words or phrases or ideas. So on day one, read 1 John and look for one theme. When you find that theme, write it in a notebook, or you could mark it with a red pen. I like to mark my themes with different colored pens because that gives me a strong visual when I'm looking back at the book. Okay, so then on day two, read 1 John again and look for a different theme and write that theme in your notebook or mark it with a different colored pen. By the end of seven days, if you do this once per day, you will have found most of the prominent themes in that book. And so then when you join us for next week's podcast, I think you'll have a pretty decent foundation so that our conversation will be much more meaningful. And as always, if you're benefiting from this series, if you want to tell us about it, or if you've got some questions for us, you can send an email to purityforlife at purelifeministries.org. Thanks again. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.